monogram deeper. <laughs> what, what for? For when I need you. Well, I, I may not be available, you know I mean? I do have a life of my own. Oh, isn't that cute, Piglet? <laughs> and just remember, when it reads 911, Pooh Bear needs you bad. <laughs> Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a woman? No Man Presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children podcast. Welcome back to the Married with Children podcast. And before I build you gentlemen a dreamy new jiggly room, we are going to review Season 11, Episode 11, Bud on the Side. Written by Valerie Ahern and Christian McLaughlin and directed by Sam W. Orrender. My name is Annabelle and I can't believe I polished sporks for you all. Polish sporks? Uh, come on, uh, you must have written Pesky Royalty coming over, Annabelle. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, that my name is Matt, and, uh, well, I uh, just hear my box delivering my brand new Xbox Series X uh, coming to my brand new break room at my work. He's out of that. And I'm Stephen, and I, I'm on break. You just interrupt me, so not to start over again. Well, welcome, Stephen, to the Nudie Bar. Yeah, all the way from Oklahoma. Indeed. Yeah, well, depends on your point of view, but... <laughs> <laughs> and it is hot, hot, hot as hell outside. Well, for most Australians, I mean, me being the exception, it's rather chilly here in Perth. Yes, I actually have a rug across my knees, like the old lady that I am. I may come down there for a while. Anytime. Anytime. So this is Bud on the Side, as I said, and it originally aired on January 13th, 1997 apparently at 9.30pm. And according to the IMDb, when Al finds out that Bud and Gary are dating, he and Griff decide to take advantage of the situation like a break room. That could have been phrased a lot better, I think. How do you take advantage of something with a break room? Yeah, because he was taking a break. Indeed. Yes. Guest stars in this episode, Mink Stoll, not her real name, as Edna, Chris Bono as contractor, David Allen Graff as Delivery Guy 1, John Talamantes as Delivery Guy 2, Janet Carroll as Gary, and Harold Sylvester as Griff. Monday after Melrose Place, it's a brand new hour of comedy. First, Ned goes back to school to chaperone a high school prom. This punch is magically delicious. Catch Ned and Stacy on its new night. My badminton team came in third in the district finals this year. Do you want to see the ribbon? Can we run past it on the way out and exit? <laughs> then, Bud Bundy's in love <gasps> with Al's boss. <laughs> Catch Married with Children on its new night after Ned and Stacy. It's all part of the new Fox Monday night. And if I recall correctly, uh, I was going to say, this is Gary's last episode to be aired, right? Second last. This is her penultimate episode to air. Uh, the Christmas episode aired before this one, but was filmed afterwards. But we will see her again in the last episode, which was not the last episode to be filmed, but was the last episode to air. But this is a, a much better episode, in my opinion. I agree. Oh, yeah. I thought this was one of the better episodes of season 11. Yeah, yeah, so did I. 
I think the reviews will be interesting, especially how it relates to the rest of the season. But we open at the Bundy home. Episode opens straight away. Cold open is Al opens the door. He's got a problem. Peg can't hear because her nails are drying her. Well, personally, Al would rather a pending divorce or, if they have to stay married, her backing some sort of pie. Peg, I got a problem. Nails drying. <laughs> For once, why can't it be pie cooling, bread baking, <laughs> divorce pending? Look, Al. I am up from noon till Oprah solving this family's problems. And now I'm tired. I need a nap. Kelly, come hold my hands up. Hmm. Divorce pending. You know, wasn't this right after the Breaking Up is Hard to Do trilogy? One thing I really don't like about season 11 is how messed up the episode order is in relation to when episodes were filmed. So... It was produced before the Breaking Up trilogy and it should have aired before. Yes, it did. It aired before the Breaking Up trilogy. So this is five, six weeks before then. Okay, so it might be a precursor to uh, that little trilogy. Hmm. Who knows? But yeah. They dried her nails one too many times. Yes, they definitely, um, for whatever reason, um, aired the episodes in a different order to how they were um, filmed or the very bare minimum written. Yeah, I, I I don't know if that's a producer thing, uh, uh, a Sony thing, or just production scheduling going off track. It's uh, the whole thing's weird because the episode we discussed last week, the Stepford Peg, that was episode ten. That was the first episode filmed for the whole season. Sometimes I know that they film them out of order like that because they want to do certain things, like say a Christmas episode or a, perhaps a Thanksgiving episode, like what Tyler and I reviewed along with Alan, so they want to get those out of the way. And then sometimes there's a debate about which one are we going to use as the premiere. Mm. You just did the Stepford Peg. I wouldn't be surprised if that one, did you say that was the first one recorded? Yeah, very first. I thought that would have been a better season opener as opposed to Twisted myself. Yeah, or either Twisted and then the Stepford Peg or the other way around. But they, they both mention what happened to Griff at the end of season 10. So they must have planned planned for one of them to be the opener. So they, they would have had some sort of reason. Uh, much like how on a, another Fox show, The Simpsons, back in season two, they deliberately picked Bart gets an F, despite the fact it was episode three of season two to air first, as it was a Bart-centric episode. That's why. I mean, it's nothing unusual. It's just that in season 11, it's even more out of order. Maybe, maybe there's a lot of pre-recording involved. But anyway, Bart on the side, the episode title, that's taken from... That's a pun on the film Boys on the Side, which is a 1995 comedy drama film directed by Herbert Ross in his final role, final film as director. It had Whoopi Goldberg, Drew Barrymore, Mary Louise Parker as three therns on a cross-country road trip, just the kind of film that I would like. And uh, also refers to, uh, you know, a bit on the side, as in, you know, your side piece, your sexual relationship with someone who is not your partner. So, yeah. I had to throw that in before we get into the episode proper. Um, you notice in this first scene, Kelly's on the couch and she goes upstairs with Peg and she doesn't even say anything in this in this cold open. Yeah. I noticed a nice green top, but yes, also noticed, uh, yeah, it doesn't say, doesn't say anything. She's just being there in silence. Yeah, it's nice to have the family together, but then <laughs> she and Kelly just bugger off upstairs. She and Peg, rather. Yeah. Uh, but it's... Al sits on the couch and it's Bud who brings the episode proper <laughs> to him. Bud's got a problem. Dad. Now, 
I'll listen to your problem if you help me with mine. Son, your problems are simple. Just avoid liquids past nine o'clock. Dad, I'm not 16 anymore, all right? <laughs> Life is a little more complicated. Your problems are simple. Just avoid liquids past 9 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> He's not 16 anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty bad, bud. <laughs> Come on. I mean, Al, give your son the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so Al tries, uh, tries the might and his fatherly way, almost gives Bud a bit of a pep talk. You know, looks on everything. Now, lately, I can't get any girl to go out with me. Oh, now, Bud, I find that hard to believe. I mean, look at you. But then again, looks on everything. <laughs> Personality is important, so we'll skip that. <laughs> so basically, you have nothing to offer a woman. Son, what you have to do is lower your standards. Think desperate. Think a single version of your mother. He has some reasonable points. You know, looks, while important, aren't everything. Personality is important. But he also mentions how he, he would love the sofa if it ate peg. And <laughs> given that um, skip personality, a butt has nothing going for him. So he needs to lower his standards. Hey, that's the American way. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. I'll keep that in mind, Stephen, because I'm currently single at the moment. But I keep that in mind when I actually, you know, go for another date. No, I won't. I would. I do not get dating advice from Al Bundy. And Al just mentions, as an aside, that you know his boss Gary is um is riding him harder than a carnival. What is it? A carnival sh- a show? Oh God, I don't have the script up. I can't get the exact quote. <laughs> this is how much season eleven is actually burned on my brain. She's been riding me like a cheap carnival pony. There you go. I got the script up. Yes, I have now too. Cranky than ever. She's been riding me like a cheap carnival pony. Wait on the customer. Ring up the bells. Don't steal. What a shrew. <laughs> <laughs> I love how she has to mention don't steal to Al because, hey, let's face it, I'm sure he's gone fishing in the cash register before. <laughs> what little bait there is. It's like a joke I like to use at work sometimes. It's like uh, when I'm at school, I which starts up in a couple of weeks uh, I'll say, man, today at school was tough. All the whining and griping and complaining. And then there were the kids. <laughs> nice. Well, some teachers just complain and gripe all the time. I don't like being around them. It's like, yeah, I know it sucks. We're all in the same thing here, but uh, we got to move on. You can't change that. And, oh, boy. Anyway, I'm just ranting about what work's going to be like in a couple of weeks. When the school goes back, uh yeah, yeah, so just want to quickly say uh, on another note uh, to all my teacher friends, if you're listening, so Nadia, Madison, Ben, and Belinda, if you're listening, this is for you. I'm, I'm glad I, I mostly work alone. <laughs> I applied for another job, but I didn't, I didn't get it. <laughs> Aw. It would have been more like a college counselor for the, the seniors at high school. Oh, that'd be a good job for you, yeah. It's basically a college version of Mr. Mackey. Yeah, you're right. Except I wouldn't say okay all the time. Well, no, I'm kidding. I would. I would. I am tired of seeing you in my office, young man. You get sent here every day, Craig. I know. Why can't you behave? I don't know. What do you have to say for yourself? Well, I tell you what, young man. uh, You're going to be held back a grade if you don't look. Did you just flip me off? 
though. Yes, you did. You just flipped me the bird. Now, see, this is exactly what I'm talking about. If you don't shape up, okay, and get your head straight, there, you just flipped me off again. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. And until you stop flipping people off, you can just go back to the waiting room. Okay, next. Well, 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 if it isn't Stan, Kyle, Kenny, and Eric. Hey, Craig. Hey, don't flip me off, you son of a bitch. Uh, Steven, sit down, okay? Uh, I think we should get back on tr tr track, okay? Otherwise, people are going to think we're nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and drugs and alcohol are bad, okay? I know, I know. It was uh, back in the 2000s when I was teaching in a smaller school district. I, um... Uh, the last one, South Park, was really big back in the mid to late 2000s. And I one time, whenever the kids would get on an inappropriate subject like drugs, alcohol, or sex, I would tell them, look, kids, drugs and alcohol and sex are bad, okay? And that would kill them. And they would say, do it again. <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved that because um, I was in high school myself in the mid to late, mid to late 2000s. So I would have loved that. <laughs> but anyway... This teacher-student stuff ain't bad, and this, this father-son stuff ain't bad. The Bundys ought to do this more often. Well, after the opening credits, the, the fancy new truncated credits of season 11, we are in the stew store. Hey, real quick. Anna, Anna when, when did, in your notes, you said, what day did this air? What was the date? Oh, uh, January 13th, 1997. Okay. I thought you said January 11th for some reason. but uh... Uh, 13th, yeah. Yeah, and it remind and everyone, please re be reminded that at this point, Marilyn Jones is on Saturdays right now. Mm. At the very late time of nine thirty, may I add? Yes. Yeah. Here in Australia, at, especially in, when this was first aired, programs that aired at nine thirty were very much for adults. Yeah. Yeah. After the watershed. And and on Saturdays again, that's it's obvious that the. Network is trying to kill it. Because, you know, Saturday night de Saturday night and Friday night death slots, because, you know, people tend to... Well, like myself last night, I was at a friend's house playing board games, as I was telling you earlier, Stephen, so I was definitely not watching TV last night. Well, I was. There was a St. Louis Cardinals game on against the Yankees. Well, I was watching TV because I'm, it's, I'm old and it's cold outside now, and, but Stephen, uh, as I was telling Matt earlier, I've been watching rewatching Home Improvement again, so I've just watched basically two seasons in, 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 in as many weeks. So That's a great show. Oh, I love it. That's what I was watching last night. I watched almost, well, I watched two-thirds of a season last night. And actually, after the game, I caught about three Married with Children episodes, including this one that I just put in the video machine. <laughs> The video machine. <laughs> well, a DVR. No, ah, right. <laughs> uh, not a DVR. You understand. Blu-ray yep. player. Okay. Us old codgers, we understand. So we're in the shoe store, and before I tell you about this actress who's trying on these shoes, did you, did you guys happen to notice what book Griff is reading? I did, actually. I caught a glimpse of it. What was it called again? I forgot. It was called A Ship Called Passion. And that's relevant because it's the book that Peg reads to oh, that smarmy little punk seven in Peggy and the Pirates. It's the actual book. So mm. I guess they had this prop lying around and I think, oh, Griff needs a book to read. He's got adorable reading glasses and he's just sitting there reading this book. Maybe he got it from Peg. Maybe. At least he's not reading Biggins or Blackens at work. <laughs> oh, and, and just to back this up, uh, this last week uh... On one of the hot days after work, I was just 
watching some old Seinfeld reruns, I have forgotten about George Costanza getting into an argument with his uh, fiance, Susan, who eventually dies, that he has the perfect name for a child, Seven. Well, I don't know how original it's going to be anymore. (laughs) Why not? Well, I was telling Carrie about our argument, and when I told them the name, they just loved it. So what are you saying? They're going to name their baby Seven. (laughs) What? They're stealing the name? That's my name. I made it up. I can't believe that they're using it. Well, now it's not going to be original. It's going to lose all its cachet. I don't know how much cachet it had to begin with. Oh, it's got cachet, baby. It's got cachet up the yin-yang. I couldn't help think. I wonder if they got that from Married with Children. (laughs) Maybe they have one, two, three, four, five, seven kids. Yeah, well, he was going to start with seven because that would have been their first one. And then what happened? They tell this couple that they're going out to dinner with or something like that. And they, uh, or, or no, um, Susan met with this uh, couple later, told them about the silly argument. And this couple likes the name Seven and about to have their kid. And now George is trying to talk him out of it because he wants to be unique. Hmm. Anyway. I, th- I think um, the the Beckhams, you know, David Beckham and, and Posh Spice, their, their daughter's middle name is Seven. I think she's Harper Seven. Huh. So it works wonder, for girls and boys. I wonder if there's ever uh, someone who's going to be called like seven and a half. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of names, uh, this, the actress trying on the, on the mules in this scene, um, her name is Mink Stoll. And if you're thinking that's a made up name, you'd be right. Uh, her name is actually Nancy Stoll, but she's known professionally as Mink Stoll. She's an actress, of course, but you might, know who she is if if you're familiar with John Waters films so you, you've probably seen her in um, Roman Candles or probably most of his films I'm not sure if she's in the original Hairspray or not but yeah she is in Hairspray and Crybaby Serial Moms where I first saw her I think um, she's one of those familiar looking actresses probably in a lot of things and she still seems to be working uh, oh no she doesn't sorry she I think she's now retired, but she is still alive. I'm sure I've seen her in something over the years. Yeah, I mean, Married Children. I saw her in Married Children. I'm like, hey, that's an actress from some of those films, like Cry Baby or the the first Hairspray film, Serial Mom, which is such a crack up. You need to watch that if you like funny horror films. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, she really thought. Looks like she's been working quite a bit, has a lot of uh, credits here. Oh, she was in Pink, Pink Flamingos. Yeah. yeah, John Waters. And I, I've heard I of Pink could, Flamingos, but haven't seen it. Yeah, I couldn't get through it. I left, stopped about halfway through. I just didn't like it. John Waters' films are an acquired taste, I, I think. Um, it's a real sort of cult following that guy. Um, the, uh, Matt, you'll know him from The Simpsons, of course, so the guy going zap. And yes, the gay man John. <laughs> um, uh, I just mentioned him because, uh, as because of this actress, but also because I got to meet John Waters uh, about ten years ago. He was doing, he was out here for the Adelaide Festival, um, and I was I was working at some of the events there, and there was a communication breakdown one evening, and um, I got scheduled on to work an event that I didn't have to work at, but then I sort of got to sneak in and watch he was doing like a one-man show just talking about his life and career 
and I got to go in and watch at least half of his um, his show. And in this, uh, he he uh, John Waters worked with Divine a lot, and he even mentioned Married with Children in his shows. He said um, Divine was about to appear on Married with Children right before he died, and I got a kick out of him mentioning that. And then after the show, we're all standing around and some people were having pictures taken with him and I see this opportunity and I got my picture taken with him and it's on my Facebook page. Oh, nice. Very cool. Cool. Hey, real quick, I want to make a correction here. When this one aired, uh, Married with Children, it started out that final season, Saturdays at 9, up until October 12th. And then from November 10th on, that was a big gap after October 12th. From November 10th on, to December 29th, it aired at 7.30 on Sunday nights. But then, starting January 6th, it moved to Monday at 9.30. Mm. Yeah, that sounds right because as, as I go through and try to find all the promos, um, from January 6th, that's when the Stepford Peg aired, and that was the first episode for 1997, and I remember – the only promo that I have for that episode is just a brief clip uh, and a mention of what happens in that episode, but no actual footage from the episode. But it says, now on Mondays or something like that. And I just groaned. <laughs> well, you see, and that's it. If, if you can't find it, you know, and it didn't air for like from October 12th to or October 13th to November 10th. That's a whole month off. Uh, probably because of the uh, probably because of the World Series. And when you're on it Monday nights at 9.30, and it will switch again to Monday at 9, that's up against, well, no, wait a minute, that wouldn't be up against Monday night football because it's that season's done by then. But still, it's like they keep shifting it around, and when your audience can't find it, the uh, audience loses interest. Yeah. Makes you wonder if they're deliberately trying to kill the show, as we've discussed before in this podcast. Mm -hmm. Quite possibly. Uh, there's just no confidence in it anymore, and the lack of promos also. I mean, you think later uh, the more recent the show is you think there might be more footage more promos but you know there's they're few and far between for season 11 you know i married uh, when i did uh the bundy thanksgiving we had alan stare he's the host of the wkrp cast i don't know if you remember that or not and wkrp was having the same problems here in uh during the time as well episodes are out of order they kept switching time zones in the fourth season and its ratings were going down. People could not find the show. Yeah. I think the same thing happened with um, third rock from the sun in their final two seasons, or at least the last season, again, the last season, but they just, they kept moving it around. They switched its nights. It was on Wednesday, then Tuesday, then Thursday. And uh, yeah. And people couldn't find it at, at the end. And then the show got canceled. Anyway, just a little sidebar. It's <laughs> our little gripes about shows we like. And how they get no respect, no regard. So yeah, Griff's reading a book. This lady is trying on shoes that she, that, you know, mules that she thought would look better in white. So are you uh, going to settle on those, ma'am? They look beautiful on you. Don't try those high-pressured sales tactics on me. <laughs> I really thought this mule would look better in white. I bet that's what her husband said on her wedding day. <laughs> Ma'am, I would really love to help you now, but I just went on break. Well, what about him? Sorry, ma'am, I'm still on break. <laughs> and just 
when exactly is your break over? Well, it was going to be in another 30 seconds, but now that I just helped the customer, I got to start all over. And then Garrett comes in. Or no, wait a minute. I kind of jumped ahead. Uh, but yeah, Alan Griffin on break. Yeah, both of them at the same time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and Griffin needs to start reading again. <laughs> and he has to start his break over. Uh, I wish I had the balls to say that. <laughs> I like my job too much. I could never say that. Oh, boy, you can't take a break uh, when you're teaching kids to drive, though. <laughs> oh, no, you cannot. Yeah, don't do that. Yes. Uh, so now Gary comes in after the angry customer has left, and she realize, she notices, she can't help but notice that Alan Griffith are completely useless. <laughs> How do they keep their jobs? <laughs> How does the store make any money? Yeah, how's it staying open? God knows. Sitcom magic, I guess, what they call it. Yeah, I mean, sales down 500% on the already low sales. Really? <laughs> you two are completely useless. We've noticed that ourselves. <laughs> we don't feel that we're properly motivated. Do you know what would motivate us? A cattle prod. <laughs> well, yes, that of course, but... I was thinking more in the line of a break room. Oh, yes, a break room. And I could throw in a big screen TV and a fridge full of beer. Hey! <laughs> You're the boss. Yes, I am. And before I build you that dreamy break room, we're going to find out why sales are down 500% this year. 500%. But you know what would motivate them? A break room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a big screen TV and a fridge full of beer. I mean, that sounds pretty good. No, nah, a cattle prod would work. Yeah, that would work too. I don't think so. You'd have you'd have them. Dr they'd be drunk trying to sell shoes, and they'd be even worse. <laughs> or better, who knows? So maybe. So why are sales down five hundred percent? I mean, could it could it be that the strength of the Deutschmark in today's international economy? Well, perhaps not in today's international economy, Greg. Could it be the unexpected strength of the Deutschmark in today's international economy? <laughs> Women are walking less. Nice try. Sit down. Shut up. We three are going to go over the books. Well, I did notice that another Deutschmark reference uh, along with, uh, as early in the season in Requiem of a Chevy weight. So, uh, yes, I mean, because obviously um, they phased it out between 1999 and 2002 when they introduced the euro, but... Uh, Germany was still a focal point of the European economy even back then. Uh, the European Union had just been formed in 1995 from the old European Economic Community, and the Deutschmark itself was used between 1948 and 2002. Well, as, as mentioned, uh, so firstly in what was then West Germany, and then in the United Germany from 1990 onwards. Or it could be that women are walking less. <laughs> That's it. That's it. I think it is. Yeah, I like to sit. Well, because we did have crimes against obesity recently. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Gary wants to go over the books. So Alan Griff, thinking they almost got busted because, you know, good thing they don't keep any books. They <laughs> skedaddle. And then there's one of those weird editing tricks where Bud approaches <laughs> from the outside 
I don't know if time has meant to elapse, have to have elapsed at this point, but Alan Griffley, One Direction, Bud comes in from the other side, clearly not seeing his father, coming in from into the same door, and then he stops. And he's picking up Al for some reason, I'm not sure why, but it doesn't matter. And he, and he stops and he admires the mannequin leg, which took me right back to season nine in Naughty But Nice, and which then became the season 10 credits. Looks good from here. <laughs> I was just looking for my dad. Interesting place to look. Well, do you remember, uh, I always thought it was hilarious. I can't remember, um, I think it was season seven when Bud was at uh, a, a store for lingerie because Al and Peg were there. Peg wanted to buy something sexy. Yep, and what I did for love. Yeah, what I did for that was it. And he's talking to the mannequin saying, I saw a mannequin and she came to life. Can you come and talk to me? <laughs> and you sound like my mother. Peg is like, yeah. <laughs> like you two being my parents doesn't have anything to do with this. <laughs> Great line. Not at all. I never thought about this, but during a rewatch not too long ago, I saw, what was it? Uh, it was called Bud. Um, when Bud had a date. I think it was like a season two or three episode. Season three? When he was... The Dateless Amigo? That's it. The Dateless Amigo. And he he gets that mannequin to pretend to be his girlfriend. And I was thinking, so that's when the ISIS thing started. Yeah, quite possibly. Because um, I remember seeing... I, I, I saw Proud to be Your Bud in season eight when they show a few flashbacks of, of Bud's failures. And there was a clip from the Dateless Amigo in that episode. I saw that clip first before I even saw the the episode in season three. So I didn't know who was on the couch, uh, Bud's friends and random girls. But the, the mannequin stuff was gold. And I thought, oh, that must be the precursor to all this <laughs> mannequin rubber doll type yeah. fixations. So Alan Griffith left. Bud's alone in the store and he sees a mirror on the floor and starts checking out his butt. <laughs> <laughs> And Gary comes back out. Yeah. <laughs> she takes her time and just quietly acknowledges what Bud's doing. And then she says, looks good from here. I like Gary's line. Uh, Bud says, I'm looking for my dad. And Gary says, interesting place to look. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would imply that possibly um, uh, Gary wouldn't know who Al's family are. Mm-hmm. Well, on that... She says, well, Bud Bundy, I haven't seen you since I threw your family out of the company picnic. But ah, season 11 continuity strikes again because how long has Gary known the Bundys? Because Al didn't even know she was a woman until season 9. And we could mm-hmm. argue that it goes all the way back to season 1. But Gary, uh, in Where's the Boss, I mean, Gary seemed to be a man, but we never actually met Gary. But we just heard things about him from what Al and, uh, and Steve said. Unless, of course, these are two different Garys. Well, it's possible, you know, the original Gary died and then Gary brought, bought the store when she, and then she, yeah, it became Gary's Shoes and Accessories for Today's Woman. And she brought the, the Larry Scorch, Storch uh, School of Heating and Air Conditioning Repair and all that. But, I mean... Yeah, but Al didn't find out she was a woman until literally two years ago. You know, I'm going to point this out, too, because I was curious. And last night I did some uh, did a little research. Janet Carroll, who plays Gary, she is 34 years older than David Faustino. 34. 
34 years older than mm-hmm. David Faustino. Blimey. And I also noticed um, all of these scenes actually work better because Janet Carroll was significantly taller than David Faustino. Yeah, well, yeah. just about everyone's taller than David Faustino. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sorry, David. If you're listening, David, I'm sorry. <laughs> I think you'll be fine with that. I actually, I comment, I wrote that in my notes when uh, a bit later when Bud is, uh, uh, the morning after when Bud runs into his parents. Uh, I mean, for some reason he looked extra short. And I know he's standing next to his tall parents, but still he looked extra short in that scene. So it's just funny you mentioned that. But yeah, um, Janet Carroll, um, unfortunately no longer with us she died at 71 i think which is quite young um 34 years older so uh yeah and i think faustino was 20 22 at this stage he's almost 23 so yeah there's, there are bigger age differences well maybe if you're anna nicole smith <laughs> yeah yeah some, if it was an older man and a younger woman hmm. well no i don't even i don't think that's a little gross uh that's too far away i mean it's i would date someone a yeah, I would. You don't have the same life experiences. Me being uh, a widower, I'm kind of looking at uh, when I date women. My cutoff is about eight to ten years younger, or eight to ten years older. Okay, that's my cutoff. That's fair. Mm-hmm. As, as for my, as for myself, okay, so I'm 31. Uh, when I'm looking for a night, when I'm looking for a nicer lady, uh, I'd go say three, four years older. So about to say 34, 35, the very most. And uh, as for younger, I'd go down to about 24, 25. Uh, um, anything younger than, say, 24, uh, I don't, we'd probably be a bit too far apart in terms of life experiences and uh, possibly values, as you said, Stephen. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah, that does make a big difference in, your, in a relationship. But... Yeah, I mean, there's two and a half year age difference between me and my other half. But it, it's like it's nothing at all. Yeah, the two, the two and a half years, nothing. Um, it was basically, once to become an adult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Alex and his wife are like ten years apart. I think they are. Yeah, which is a which is a good thing because you know men tend to delay maturity anyway. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that. So yeah, uh, so Gary's in her mid fifties at this point, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, she looks good. I mean, Gary's got a nice pair of stems. Yeah, she is. A, she is an attractive woman. I mean, she's well dressed, but and of course, any woman in a position of authority, I don't think Al is particularly going to be taking a shine to. But um, Gary seems to be taking a shine to Bud here. Oh, definitely, very much so. Yeah, a little bit too much, I think. Maybe she really is desperate. Awesome, maybe. Well, then remember that uh, Bud did date Miss McGowan in um, Teacher's Pets. Yeah, Bud. Bud seems to attract some of the older ladies, like our much-loved Miss Hardaway. And then you might remember he kind of got it on a little bit with Esther's daughter in Dial B for Virgin, or Esther's uh, mother, excuse me. Yep, so the occasional MILF, maybe the occasional GILF. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, Gary's not wrong. I mean, Bud's turned into a handsome young man. Um, He's just very short, and I I think girls Bud's age... They know Bud by this point, and he does have this odious personality, but I think older women are sort of attracted to this younger man they, they might have a shot with. <laughs> I'm speaking for nobody. Uh, I'm going to talk about some things a little bit later when we get to a certain point, but uh, anyhow. But yeah, Gary's dialing it up to 11. Yeah. Don't knock it till you've tried it. I mean, Bud 
he reverts into childhood at one point, but um, Gary is literally and figuratively not letting him up. Well, don't knock it till you've tried it. <laughs> I think I hear my daddy calling. Where's the fire? Besides in my secret places. Um, what, what, what are you doing? You? But you... Don't fight it, bud. No, she's not. Uh, and that's why I said some of these scenes definitely work a bit better because obviously with Carol being bigger than Faustino and that's more physically intimidating over him. <laughs> yeah, it makes it more pathetic. Yeah. She says, don't fight it, bud. Well, you could fight a little, <laughs> she tells him. <laughs> but uh, I love how shocked he looks when she kisses him. Yeah. Well, you could fight it a little. And then he gets on top of her, so he has, yeah. He's starting to get his confidence up. You know, and he was saying, you know, girl, I can't get girls to go out with me. That does shake your confidence, you know, if you keep trying to, you know, meet women and they keep shooting you down. And so I can relate to that to a certain extent when I was younger and not cool. Now I'm older and not cool. (laughs) (laughs) But it was also that's a bit above bits out of a bit out of his league sometimes i mean he gets some incredible girls but you know i, I can't blame him for trying and he never gives up i'll give him that he's kind of like his dad he never gives up never gets up bundy's are losers not quitters <laughs> yes a bunny never wins but a bunny never quits <laughs> exactly <laughs> so bud is definitely our son that's for sure that's 100 percent for sure so it's the next morning, and Al and Peg come in from the front door in their pajamas. Why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a brilliant idea. You tell a retired couple their house is on fire. <laughs> Finishing their breakfast just isn't a priority. You are a genius, Al. I can't believe that that worked. Hey, when you tell a retired couple their house is on fire, finishing their breakfast just isn't a priority. Oh. <laughs> uh. That was hilarious. <laughs> Makes me want to try that one day. Maybe not. <laughs> I say that as someone who used to work in aged care. Sorry. And I say that as someone who used to volunteer in an aged care facility. And also, uh, I could cook a better breakfast than what I there eating myself anyway, so I couldn't do that anyway. That's good. But yeah, there's a, a reason. Well, it's a plot device because they run into Bud, who has just come from the kitchen, presumably, because he's got some Bundy mimosas. Beer and tang. <laughs> So yeah, they find they realize that Bud must have scored last night, so they're quite happy for him, which is kind of sweet. Um, <laughs> looks like you took your dad's advice and found yourself a desperate one. Must be a classy chick. <laughs> yeah, they always get away with it. But then Gary comes out of the basement. Beer and tang. <laughs> Bundy mimosas. <laughs> must be a classy chick, son. <laughs> Yes, and she's painfully shy. So why don't you two head on upstairs and you can have breakfast in bed. Oh, he thinks we're going to embarrass him. <laughs> Come on, son. We're not going to scare away a girl who's kind enough to hang out with you. Hurry up with those mimosas, love, but I want to get out of here before you're pin- <laughs> Oh, 
and she wants to get out of there before his parents. But man, she is right there yep. for everyone to see. And she's wearing his pajama top. That would be awkward. I can't imagine that. I mean, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think I've. I don't. I have not been in that situation. <laughs> fortunately, I'll tell you a story. That was um, funny then. Or pardon me, it's funny now, but it wasn't funny then. When I was in high school, first first person I met was on the bus. Her name was Kathy, and was short for Catherine. And we had three classes together. We had algebra and English and history together. And I was so grateful because I struggle with algebra so much. She understood it and she was able to help me and I was able to, you know, learn it. And she had trouble with English and history. Well, that was my specialty. So I was helping her with that stuff. And we lived not too far from each other. And one night she called me, it was a Monday night. And I went over there to help her with some stuff. And all of a sudden, it's kind of like we just were two young teenagers about to go at it with each other. And her mother walked in on my God. I think my I think my dick shrank that day about another inch. Anyway, (laughs) she wants to know who I am and where my mother is. And it was so humiliating. And my mom was at Bridge Club at my aunt's house, which wasn't super far away. So she has me get in the car. Kathy's in the back and she's driving me out to um, my aunt Cheryl's house and then um, opens up the door. And then there's uh, my mom comes out eventually and she's just shocked. And uh, Kathy's mom was saying, I'm, you know, Miss Scott, I'm Miss Sanders and I caught our two children and they were about to engage in sex. I will do with my daughter and I hope you do with your son. She says, I will. Boy, that was an awkward car ride back home because I was supposed to be watching my brother. But, oh, oh God, I was granted for a month. Uh, Strangely, we somehow survived and she did become my high school girlfriend. Now, mind you, when I'm 15 years old, this is not funny. Mm. No. But now I can look back at it and laugh i guess you could say yes i was kind of in that situation one time at a really super young awkward age Mm, mm. awkward's the word for it yeah Mm -hmm. but you didn't have bundy mimosas did you no we didn't have bundy mimosas so i I mentioned that because it's it's just this seems to be the last time that tang is mentioned on the show so going from luigi's notes you know, we've got from season one and 16 years and what do you get? Season two in Impudent and Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Season three and He Thought He Could, The Computer Show. Season four and Desperately Seeking Miss October, you know, Tangwitches. Season five mm-hmm. and You Better Shop Around. Season six and The Egg and I. It's in season eight in Al Goes Deep. And now here in season 11, it's the final mention of Tang. Well, it's the it's the food for the Bundys. It is. I don't know if you ever noticed it or not. And um, You Better Shop Around too. When they're running around shopping, I noticed that uh, at one point Peg stops and knocks a bunch of tang into the into the shopping cart. Yeah, she she drops some things. I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's another scene I have to watch again because you watch it at least four times so you can see what everybody is doing for the, in that whole scene. Mm-hmm. But that would have been fun to film. So Al does an you know, epic turn to the camera and screams. Oh, he's horrified. He's horrified. Uh, and we'll just quickly say. Uh, so amongst other reasons, uh, you can say this is part of the reason I didn't really start dating until I moved out of home. Huh. Yeah. 
amongst other reasons, like you know, get him a Me career. Me too. Sorted. Yeah, I, I was I kept it very under wraps. <laughs> I know this is my friend. <laughs> we come back from break, and Al is pretty much passed out or comatose on the couch. Kelly and Peggy are trying to wake him up, but don't worry about it. Kelly's trying to wake him up; doesn't work. So Peg has to literally slap him a few times. Daddy, wake up, Daddy! Daddy, do it. <laughs> Son touching monster in jammies. Daddy, don't worry about it. Now, Bud is downstairs helping Gary into her corrective undergarments. Oh, it's It's naked in the basement. Al, would you relax? You told Bud to find someone desperate. Well, when I said aim low, I didn't think he'd excavate the tar pits. (laughs) There's a lot of slapping in this season, okay? There is. And I love Al's. Yeah, I love Al's line. Son, touchy, son, touchy monster in jammies. <laughs> Nightmare. Now Bud is downstairs helping Gary into her corrective undergarments. <laughs> it's naked in the basement. Yeah, you told Bud to find someone desperate. <laughs> well, I said aim low, but I didn't think he'd excavate to the target. <laughs> <laughs> the targets. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but Kelly has a point. I mean, she doesn't know what the big deal is because a lot of old rich people like to date younger men, like Cher, Roseanne, Richard Simmons, <laughs> which is basically a joke on Richard Simmons. But uh, yeah, and this is also a time when, uh, if you think about the last couple of seasons of Roseanne, she she dumped Tom Arnold and was dating a man I think was seven years younger than her so it might be off your limit Matt um that was her her next husband after Tom Arnold and then they had a baby um they're not married anymore and but it was around 96 97 the last season of Roseanne and I have a question they mentioned Cher but didn't didn't Jefferson date Cher at one point (laughs) it was his turn it was his turn Yeah. yeah yeah I'm still waiting for my turn Ha! <laughs> that chance. Wow, she's still going. And I love Gary. Or, or Gary says, Bundy, as much as you deserve it, I am not doing this for revenge. I'm doing this because I'm generally attracted to Bud. Oh, right. Like I'm supposed to believe that. Mm. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> and then she asked that great question. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to correct myself that Tom Arnold was seven years younger than Roseanne. Her subsequent husband was even younger. Than him. So she got, yes, that's why she's men- mentioned as, that was Ben Thomas is his name. He's a much younger man. Yeah, but Gary says she is ge- genuinely attracted to uh, him. Now, I never had an older woman hit on me. Matt, that ever happened to you? Uh, older woman hit on me. Uh, as far as I know, no. Uh, I know there have been a couple of funny times where I was too thick to get the hint. I remember one time I was at a bar with friends and the um, barmaid kept giving me free stuff. Oh, dang, with every drink I bought. Mm. And another time, an usherette followed my now late best friend and I into the cinema, walked up right to the back where we were sitting, followed us in. Uh, I didn't know what to say to her. Dang. She must have noticed me because I was in my work clothes, completely the tiny everything. I thought, dang. <laughs> I blew it. Grr. Sounds like you, oh, might, well. you might need a line or, or something to say when this happens again. Anyway, it's just, uh, I was just curious about that because it does happen to some guys. Never happened to me. 
And then uh, I want to me mention this here because of, um, you know, kind of a little, you know, affinity I have for this. But Gary says, who's his real father? And Peggy says, well, it's Al, you know, that night. But that night I was thinking about Lyle Wagner. <laughs> okay. I want to talk about what Lyle Wagner here. Born April 13th, 1935. He died recently on March 17th, 2020. He was an American actor, sculptor, presenter, traveler, salesman, and model known for his work in the Carol Burnett show from 1967 to 74. For playing the role of Steve Trevor uh, in the Wonder Woman TV series. And of course, he was also in uh, Austin Powers as number two. Right, yeah. I always remembered him as that, yeah. Yeah, he's a... He did a great job. Yeah, he's a very sort of tall, handsome actor, so of course Peggy would like him. Mm -hmm. And then they start talking to each other, Gary and Bud. <laughs> <laughs> so I told that punk son of mine and his gargoyle girlfriend <laughs> I never wanted to see them together again. And you better not turn around. <laughs> Looks like Bud can't get enough of that hot gargoyle love. <laughs> Bud is dead to me. <laughs> Damn! Al, <laughs> look at your son go. I have no son. <laughs> Those two were knocking boots right in your basement? I have no basement. <laughs> You guys on a break? Good for you. <laughs> oh, Piglet, I almost forgot. I got you a present. Thank you, Pooh Bear. Piglet? Piglet. Pooh Bear? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Al thinks it's Peg's fault. Peg scarred him. But how could she have scarred him? She doesn't even remember talking to him. Yeah, now this is what I wanted to bring up. Yeah. Is Bud looking for the mother that he never had? Uh-huh, yeah. And then, you know, he's blowing his nose. Gary says, blow your nose. Anyway, because if you look at Married with Children, because I was thinking about this last night watching it, we do have several episodes revolving around Al and Kelly's relationship. You know, like uh, Al and Kelly comes to mind, as well as Rock and Roll Girl, when he wants to go save his little girl from the uh, from the rock man, the gutter cats, and all that other stuff. Mm. So, yeah, we do have a lot, and he even has a pet name for her, Pumpkin. And we also have some surrounding Al and Bud's relationship, like when Al takes him to the nudie bar, when he slaps, when he gives him a, a high five and gives him $20 to go out with this slutty girl. So you can tell there's some little bonding between those two. But there are none of those with Peggy and Bud. We do have some of those special things with Peggy and Kelly, but none with Peggy and Bud sparing with a special moment. And there are times when she openly mocks him, like in Two or Three Consequences, when Kelly says, well, Bud had a girl here last night. And Peggy says, uh, like, I'm going to believe that. She also, and then she... Um, and you can't miss, she tells him, I'm your mother and I choose Rodrigo over you. <laughs> and all the things that Peggy is really a crappy parent. She's probably the worst between Al, Al and Peggy are no doubt both unfit parents, I guess you could say. But Peggy is the worst one. 
you know, she steals Kelly's home economics file and Peggy made a little lamb. She what she didn't talk to Kelly about menstrual cycles until Kelly's got a habit when Kelly was 25. She was talking to Kelly through the door, which was a linen closet door, and she had no idea she had a linen closet either in a Bundy Thanksgiving. Mm. <laughs> and she locked Bud and Kelly outside away from seven. Sorry to mention him. And now on the rock. So and there are lots more, but I was thinking. Peg is definitely the worst of the two pairs, although neither of them are really good at all. Oh, she's terrible. I love it. <laughs> Remember, Kelly, there are two things Peggy Bundy won't do. Cook, clean, sew, vacuum, iron. And parents. And exercise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, they're definitely worse parents on TV, but Al and Peg, Peg are pretty bad parents. Definitely worse parents out in TV land, though. Yeah. So anyway, that's what I wanted to just point out about how crappy a parent she is. And yeah, it is likely that he is looking for that because men tend to look for a mother figure and a wife. Yeah. And women, by the same token, tend to look for a father figure. And they, that's why a lot of women tend to marry a man who's a lot like their father. And a lot of men marry women who are a lot like their mom. Yeah, it, it makes sense, and that, and that's a very good point because there aren't many scenes with Peg and Bud in that respect. There's certainly no episodes about it, but you just get occasional scenes like this. I mean, even in season five when she um, – <laughs> in uh, One Down, Two to Go, when Kelly moves out and Peg hugs Bud and says, let me feel you for it. Hmm, kind of lumpy. I never noticed that before. And that's about the extent of things. <laughs> Yeah. And then she tries to baby him and then just, yeah, probably has scarred him even further. But yeah, Bud is looking for that mother he never really had because Gary even blows his nose for him. But it does give us a great, you know, three-person disgusted shot, disgusted faces shot on the couch. I always like a good reaction shot. So we're now in the back to the shoe store and Al is wearing a black armband. <laughs> he is. <laughs> and then Jefferson comes in. We finally see him. Hey, Al, I just heard about, uh, oh, sorry if I'm jumping ahead, but he says, I just heard about, I was in the tanning bed and I heard about Al, or pardon me, I heard about Bud and Gary. I'm trying to think to myself, how do you hear about something like that while you're in a tanning bed? Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I guess I guess they talk in solariums. I don't know. Because I don't know what it's like in Australia, but here in the United States, I remember I, I used those things occasionally when I was younger. And man, you got the you got the motor blowing. You can't hear much. You're down in there, and you got to pull something over you. You're laying down with all these lights. You got to wear something over your eyes. I'm thinking, how in the hell did he find out about uh, Gary and Bud? There's no way. I don't know. I just pictured he was lying in a tanning bed next to somebody else lying in a tanning bed, and they were just gossiping. But yeah, how would they hear anything? So I'd figured there'd be some sort of you know low buzz, hum, you wouldn't be able to hear much in such a room anyway. I mean, Jeff is ex-CIA. He could have been putting his espionage skills to use in terms of his hearing. Well, quite possibly. Mm. He's got a bug. But this is, yeah, so we should mention that um, Jefferson comes in after Bud and Gary's next honeypot, Pooh Bear, Rue, Kanga, Piglet scene. (laughs) Um, Because Gary has bought Bud a present. And if they start talking about the honeypot, I've got dibs on the sink. 
They start talking about the honeypot. I got dibs on the sink. Monogram beeper? <laughs> what, what for? For when I need you. Well, I, I may not be available. You know, I mean, I do have a life of my own. Oh, isn't that cute, Piglet? <laughs> and just remember, when it reads 911, Pooh Bear needs you bad. <laughs> Say hello to Kanga and Rue for me. <laughs> What'd you throw that for? Because the cash register's bolted down. <laughs> so, yeah, the, this, um, a monogrammed beeper for when Gary needs butt. Yeah, she is very possessive. Yeah. Very smothering. Yes. Yes. And that's one thing you don't want to do to somebody is smother them in a relationship. Yeah. Then you, and she's exercising control. We're going to come back to that a little bit later. But, you know, and also a great line from Kelly a little bit later, but I don't want to get into that now. But and then but I have to say something. I'm glad I never, ever, with my wife, came up with a stupid name like Pooh Bear, Piglet, or Schmoopy <laughs> oh. with my wife. And she didn't say, I mean, Sweetie and Honey, yeah, that's great. But when you start giving stupid names like Piglet and Pooh Bear and Schmoopy, it's kind of like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. Well, I'll... <laughs> I, I, I'm almost re uh, regretting saying that... Um, uh... My husband and I do call each other Schmoopy. However, it's ironic because we are quoting a TV show. In fact, we're quoting two TV shows when we do that. We call each other Baby, which is Baby. And um, we say Schmoopy ironically. So it's a quote from Seinfeld. It's also a quote from the Goldbergs. So it's like, you're a Schmoopy. Okay, we'll keep that in our vocabulary somewhere. But it's not something we call each other um, intentionally. Yeah, I can understand that. Sometimes, on occasion, I call her Buttercup, and occasionally she would call me Wesley, you know, from The Princess Bride. Oh, yeah. But we're using the movie quote, you know, we're not coming up with these special pet names. Yeah. I've said Pookie because that's what Al has called Peg a couple of times. But we don't really say honey or anything, but it's just bat bat. Or it's, hey, you. Oi. <laughs> <laughs> As for myself, well, uh, I've only had the um, I've only had one girlfriend in the past, and uh, so we 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 weren't together for that long, not long enough to have any like inside joke inside joke nicknames or anything like that. We just called each other Babe or Darling or whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah, and unfortunately, we I never had one of those smothering relationships because that would just that, I mean, had clingy boyfriends, but like that just just turned turned me right off. Yeah. Yeah, that would freak me out having a clean girlfriend. Yeah, that would that would really freak me out. Yeah, I just let things progress slowly and naturally. I never, fortunately, I never had that issue. But you know, and it's it's Gary, of course, being thirty four years older with the mother figure, she has power over him. You know, and that's you don't want power in a relationship. You want to share the power. Yeah. And when you smother, even mothers who smother their children often breed resentment. Mm. I was kind of grateful. My parents found that to medium ground where they didn't smother you, but they didn't neglect you like Alan Pegg. And that's it. Like we were talking about earlier, Gary is the opposite of Pegg. At least she cares about Bud to a certain extent. Mm. Of course, her interest is more sexual than it is as a mother, but, you know, that's her. And I don't know if she's ever been married. We don't know if she's had kids, but 
she's probably trying to fill that void in her life. She's always gone for money. Yeah. I, I've always pictured Gary as a single woman without children. I don't know if she might be a divorcee. Um, I mentioned the Goldbergs, incidentally, and when I think of smothering now, I think of, you know, mother. she's putting the mother in smother, and it makes me think of Beverly Goldberg. So if you've seen the Goldbergs, you'd be familiar with that. I was about to say, because I'm not familiar with the Goldbergs. I've never seen that, so I might check that out a little bit. Yeah, I think Luigi watches it now, but um, yeah, the show, I won't go into it, but the show should have ended a year ago, but it's still on. But I, mm-hmm. I love the actress who plays Beverly Goldberg. She's in Reno 911. Oh, which one is she? Wendy McClellan and Coffee. Yes, okay, good. She's amazing, I love her. Yeah, and I love Reno 911. I was so glad I got Paramount Plus and I'm in the rewatch of it. Oh, we just got Paramount Plus, but I don't think Reno, Reno 911 is on here. If it is, I have to call in straight away. But I, I think I was just looking. I could, I could never get into Reno 911 myself. I watched it when I was 15, void on um, seeing previews on, on my South Park DVDs when I was 14, 15, and it just didn't really do it for me. Uh, well, I'm not sure, not 100% sure why, but uh, would it would it be worth it me giving it another go? Or do you think it would? Or do you think, uh, or should I not bother? Well, it depends upon your taste. Uh, I like it because it's so cynical and wrong. It's the opposite of what you should do as a cop in about every situation, and it shows that the it's a parody of cops is what it is, mostly, because you know how the cops are always saying, "Okay, sir, put your hands behind your back." Let's get in there, watch your head. And in Reno 911, it's, you know, it's just totally wrong and all their procedures and everything. And they're idiots because there's a recurring joke where uh, Dangle gets his bike stolen all the time. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> stolen all the time. And he comes up with these ways to try and solve the problem and they always backfire. Uh, I think it's <laughs> Garcia whenever he pulls over a trucker and he's talking to the trucker like illegal immigrants are coming out of the back of the truck or one time they stole his cop car while he was talking to the truck. Yeah. They're just idiots. Yeah. <laughs> well, Reno 911 is one of William's favorite shows along with um, Trailer Park Boys, which is a show I used to watch in the 90s, oddly, because when I first got Foxtel, it was all, that was all that was on. But speaking of 911, when Gary's beeper reads 911, that means Pooh Bear needs Bud bad. Bad. And yes, if they do start talking about a honeypot, jeez. Yeah, these do have it bad. They do. Especially Gary. Yeah, it, it's, yeah. This is a good scene for um, showing us uh, how it's progressing. So I should explain that Pooh Bear and Piglet, they all, of course, come from Winnie the Pooh stories created by A.A. Milne. And Milne created the character Winnie the Pooh after a teddy bear owned by his son, Christopher Robin. And the rest of Christopher Robin's toys, Piglet, Eeyore, Kangaroo, and Tigger, were incorporated into Milne's stories. Um, two more characters, Owl and Rabbit, were created by Imagination, while Gopher was added to the Disney version. Christopher Robin's toy bear, Winnie the Pooh, is on display at the main branch of the New York Public City Library. So it's very wholesome, but it's, they're just making it so gross. Yes, I was going to say, uh, I remember watching the Tigger movie when I was nine, when I was in the cinemas. Uh, I mean, like I said, I didn't mind watching the Winnie the Pooh cartoon. It was just something to pass the time. It wasn't my favourite show, but I didn't hate it. And 
I mean, at least a couple of the films were, de- were decent enough, but I do remember reading some of the books as well. Uh, most people in Australia know who Winnie the Pooh is. Yeah, I've, I've got the book from when I was a, a kid. Uh, I think my mother still got it, but yeah, it's an absolute classic that everyone had to read. But nice. so now they've taken all this sweetness and they're just, and as Luigi says in his notes here, talk about some sick role playing. It's no worse than what uh, Marcy does with Jefferson. Yeah. <laughs> And Marcy's not in this episode. She can't. She can't um, comment on any of this. But Griff tells Al to lighten up because he points out that he didn't have a problem when Kelly was dating that wealthy, wealthy older man. And I assume they're talking about Alan Thicke's character in in Enemies, Ugh. or perhaps even earlier. Because oh. I say that because that's when Griff was around and he saw this going on. But perhaps. You know, I mean, Kelly's dated older men before. You know, in the undergraduate, she started dating Robbie's father. And yep. in The Godfather in season five, she was dating a 41-year-old alderman. Yeah, so Kelly's certainly been there. Then, and Al says he wouldn't have a problem if Bud dated a wealthy older man. You know, it's just the point is anyone but Gary. Mm-hmm. But then they start bringing in some things. Mm-hmm. Some delivery men. A television. Oh, yeah. A refrigerator. Oh, yeah. Hey, where do you want this TV? I don't care. Put it near the fridge. I'm telling you, there's not a power on earth that would make me accept this unholy union. Garrison is here to build you guys a break room. But on second thought, who am I to get in the way of two crazy kids in love? (laughs) By the way, the one guy with the refrigerator, I mean, the television, there is no way one man could carry a TV like that from that time history not from back then and i couldn't have been noticing me but being me that uh noticing that it had color tv written on a box in 1997 do you think that would be just without saying by that late 90s <laughs> yeah you didn't have to say that especially if one was that big it's definitely going to be color exactly i mean you wouldn't be on a box now i mean my current set's 10 years old and it's not a smart it's got a call a dumb tv it's not smart it doesn't doesn't have 4k and it's a 31-inch TV. Which is a pretty good-sized TV, at considering that time. Yeah. yeah. Back then, 27s were considered the, the best for families in living rooms. But anyway, so, yeah, Al's realizing, hey, I might get something from this. So now he's not so upset about it. He kind of likes it. Mm. Yeah. Yes, um, as we said, Al, Al's very happy. He's got his beloved break room with his massage tables, beer, and that 31-inch TV. Yes. So who's he in, to get in the way of two crazy kids in love? <laughs> yeah, he, does, he doesn't care. No. But meanwhile, Peggy might be taking this, this mothering thing seriously for once because she's reading a book called It's Never Too Late to Be a Good Mother. I think it might be for your case, Peggy, because, you know, your daughter's 25 and your son's 22. A little bit late to start that now, Peggy. Yes, perfect title for this for far, this late in the, in the season, in the show. Kelly, was I a bad mother? I don't know. Whose mother are you? <laughs> Yours. Oh, then you were terrible. <laughs> Who are you to judge? Don't you remember that time I made you a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Mom, it was petroleum jelly. (laughs) Yeah, 
Then you didn't get chap lips that whole winter. And you know, I always took care of you when you were sick. Oh, please, Mom. The time I had chicken pox, you slapped makeup on my face and sent me off to school. And you met your first little boyfriend that day now, didn't you? Nah, Mikey Clements. <laughs> Boy, nap time was a lot more fun after that. And then she asked Kelly, was I a bad mother? I don't know. <laughs> Whose mother were you? <laughs> Yours. And Kelly says, oh, then you were terrible. And <laughs> Peg says, who are you to judge? <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't you remember that time I made you a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Mom, it was petroleum oh, yeah. jelly. Oh, God. Ew. <laughs> yeah, you didn't get chapped lips all the whole winter. <laughs> and I love the chicken pox cure, which is put makeup on Kelly's face and then to send her to school for an in-school pox party. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But she did meet her first little boyfriend that day. Mikey Clements. I don't know. Was there a joke with that? Uh, she just says that nap time was a lot more fun after that, which is kind of gross because she's what five or whatever yeah. yeah yes ew so yeah maybe not such a bad mother with kelly Ugh. but <laughs> really screwed up bud that's got to be heartbreaking when a parent realizes they're a screw up mm. Mm. but i was happy even yes home with with great news you know bud's horrible perverted affair with gary that you caused yeah. Peg says she's guilty. She should be on court TV with a blue dot on her face. And court TV, of course, is a, a digital broadcast network, a former American cable TV channel that was launched in 1991 with a focus on crime-themed programs such as true crime docuseries, legal dramas, and coverage of prominent criminal cases. Sounds right up Chris Gunter's alley, that channel. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh Yeah, I'm sure he would be into it. Yeah. It's kind of like that. You know, I, I mentioned this before that info, 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 uh, pardon me, the uh, what I call info journal, no, pardon me, entertainment journalism, excuse me, when they try and find the sleazy stuff as opposed to, you know, legitimate news. Yeah. I always hated that form of journalism. Oh, I hate it. The, the crap that sells magazines, it's purely just a seller magazine. They can just print whatever they like. People believe it. That's what, that's what I hate. Yeah. You know, Matt, it was recently I was uh, looking at uh, a recent South Park episode I wasn't too familiar with where um, the people of South Park were liking this student newspaper that was being distributed because they didn't have to do all, go through all that clickbait to get to the story. And yep. I tell you, that's when journalist, journalism was going downhill already. But since the Internet, it has sunk to... The deep depths of the Marianas Trench. Yeah. Uh, just quickly, uh, what season is that episode from? I don't think I've seen that one. I think it was the more recent one, like from the last few years, but I couldn't remember exactly. I think I caught it maybe last week or week before, something like that. Because I'm currently buying all the DVDs and going through them. So I'm still, I've got one through 20. You need to buy the last three. So uh, yeah, I've, I've seen all the COVID specials. <laughs> Yeah, I want to see the new streaming, the second part of the streaming wars, because that's really pertinent here in the United States about, I don't want to get into politics, so let's skip over that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and plus you might spoil it for me as well, because I haven't seen the first part of that yet. Well, it's dealing with the real issue here in the United States. Let me just put it that way. So, um, Okay. They put it up there because the average American doesn't know about it. Hmm. All right. I'll take your word for it. 
So yeah, apparently this perverted affair with Gary is the greatest thing to happen to them. Because he's got a break room peg at work with massage tables and fridge full of beer. And as long as Bud keeps Gary happy, Al's happy. And as long as Al's happy, he's happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, what about me, says Peg. Don't be selfish, Peg. <laughs> but Al's prepared for that too because he's got some Belgian bonbon. And that's all it takes for Peg to come around. So, yep, she's still mother of the year. I think the Bundys, they're trying in this next scene though because, look, they're, they're using the good plastic. The good china with the dividers. Oh, look, Al. I'm using the good china with the dividers. <laughs> good idea, Peg. Gary's a millionaire. She's used to classy things. Now, if this relationship continues, we're going to be eating off paper plates and then just throwing them away. <laughs> hey, which side does the salad sport go on again? <laughs> on the left. Who raised you? No one. I know, hey. And they're using salad sports. Yeah. And... Paper plates. I mean, Gary's a millionaire. She's used to classy things. And um, but which side does the salad swap go on again? I don't know. Uh, hang on. No, no, no. Let me just get my etiquette book. Uh, see, uh, the left side. And I will say, the Bundys would not last very long in my house because anyone who comes to dinner in my house knows that I make sure people use coasters. Uh, I like having the table set in a certain way. So, like, okay, better make sure this is on this side. This is on that side. Uh, Yes. So everyone know everyone know comes to my house knows about me my me existing people use coasters and whatnot at the dining table. So you can never be Kelly's boyfriend because her boyfriends don't use utensils. Yeah, I think Kelly would probably think I was a bit what's the right word, too um snobbish, too smart for her. Too fastidious. <laughs> probably. Yeah. I'm the same I'm very same way. I'm uh you know, people talk about O C D and people uh, you know, I joke about I don't have O C D. I just very it's called putting stuff back where it belongs and putting things out where they need to be so you don't lose them. That's yeah. what I hate doing. I hate losing things. And anyway, I I don't have OCD, although I do think it should be changed to CDO. That way, those letters are in alphabetical order like they should be. <laughs> yes. <laughs> See, I would agree with that because I have a touch of COD. <laughs> but I'm not that neat. CDO. <laughs> CDO. CDO, sorry. Um, maybe I'm dyslexic too. Yeah, I, I I do have dyslexia. I was trying to get to the support meeting, but I kept turning the wrong way. <laughs> uh, my husband has is a bit dyslexic, and uh, <laughs> as he calls it, sex daily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love dyslexic jokes. I love CDO or OCD jokes. I like any joke as long as it's in good. Well, most some jokes aren't in good taste. I still like them, but. You know, in public, you just don't want to say some jokes out loud. You'll get cancelled in this cancel culture thing. Yeah, with the only four, 34 year age difference, but it's okay because they're adults. That's true. So the salad sport goes on the left. And I'm with Kelly. I call them sporks too. Um, that's why I said them in my intro. But in Australia, they're called splades. I don't know if they're called that in America, but we I've always called them sporks. Yeah, sporks are got from the TV. My mum calls them splades and she was born here. Yeah, same. Yeah, I call them. We call I call them the same thing. I don't know if it's an American term or not. I just decided to use it because that's what everyone else was calling them. So I guess that's what we call them here. Well, it makes sense that spork is a spoon and a fork, so it's a spork. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, Kelly Kelly thinks that um, even though she's the oldest, Bud's always been the favorite. Real quick, what didn't Al use a spork in uh, Poppies by the Tree? Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Just to I point th- that out. Sorry, oh, let's well, go. No, it was a fork, wasn't it? Oh, Al, you forgot your fork. Yeah. Okay, it was a fork. Okay. Yeah, it was a plastic fork. But you said spork, and that sounded totally legit. So, yeah. But no, it's a fork. You could say it's a spork. So, yeah, Kelly. Kelly's feeling left out because Bud's always been the favorite because he can walk first, he talk first, and he can name all 20 states. Even though I'm the oldest, Bud's always been your favorite. Just because he walked first, and he talked first, and, <laughs> and he can name all 20 states. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what else he did first. He found himself a sugar daddy, something we thought you would do, young lady. Face it, Kelly. Bud beat you. The dark horse came in first. Oh, now you got Bud a horse? Oh, oh, oh yeah, I can notice that. I mean, uh... Come on, Kelly, you've lived in the U.S. all your life. You should know there have been far more than 20 states uh, for it's, since the 19th century. Uh, yeah, come on, Kelly, even you're not that thick. Well, in, in season nine, in uh, the undergraduate, she said America was all 13 colonies. So she knows some of her stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, she probably got new information that kicked the old information out. Yeah. You know, that's... Oh, like at the end of season eight, Kelly knows something. <laughs> yeah. Well, it also happened, I think, uh, season three or so. Can't remember the episode, but Bud said he tutored Kelly to get her ready for finals. And he said, that unfortunately, when a new information goes in, old information goes out. Yep. In his like opinion. seven. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the end of season three and the end of season eight. You know, if only that could happen with us in seven, you know, our new information comes in and seven goes out. <laughs> <laughs> but then I, then I had to wipe wipe certain episodes of my favorite TV show, some of which were actually good despite that little blight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Of course, he hardly had anything to do with many of the stories there. No, that's why the, epi- Most of them. the episodes with uh, around him uh, are fine. But <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I sometimes find myself increasingly like Kelly. Someone will give me a new piece of information and then I'll forget to do something that was in my brain much earlier. So I, I think as a... As I get older, it's a more common thing. So I feel for Kelly sometimes. However, well, yeah, yeah. I, I was gonna say Al points out that I'll tell you something that he did first. He found himself a sugar daddy. We expected you to do that, young lady. <laughs> yeah, the dark horse came in first. Oh, now they got butter horse. So yeah, but Gary's got so much money, maybe she'll buy her a horsey. Maybe that's true. If she's that rich, I want a unicorn. <laughs> You know, I must say, <laughs> now, you know, audience, you know, we record these in advance. And, you know, I made some comments earlier this week about Requiem for a Chevy weight and how they just butchered Kelly, Kelly and her dumbness. They didn't write it well at all. Now, that's the Kelly thing. If she's that rich, I want a unicorn. Yeah. Oh, now you got but a horse. You know, that's the stuff we like about Kelly. I mean, the combing, the classifies, oh, I cringe at that still. <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah, uh, yeah. the less obvious jokes uh, work better. Um, but this episode in general sort of works better for Kelly. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so now Kelly's on board. And Bud comes out of the basement looking very dapper. Very dapper indeed. Uh, yeah, so Bud looks good in the suit, very, very sharp. But uh, I also noticed how amazing Kelly looked in that uh, multicolored top. And those earrings as well really highlight her, her face when you can see them behind her hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone looks good. <laughs> um, yes, but I know that, that Kelly outfit in particular is my favorite of the outfits she wore in this episode. And probably one of my favorites in this season of her outfits. 
Is yes. that, uh, and by the way, this next line, when somebody called heaven, there's an angel missing, was that by Peg or by Gary? That was by Peg. Okay, so she's trying at least now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just trying. Yeah, she's serving the good plastic, and she's saying Bud looks really nice and even reminds her of a very handsome young man she was once madly in love with. Do you mean daddy? Honey, I said handsome. <laughs> and in love with her. But then Bud drops the big one on her, on him. I appreciate all the trouble, but I'm not too sure I feel right about Gary and me. Uh-oh. But what are you talking about? Oh, They're no. They're perfect for each other. But no. And Bud goes, Bud goes into that problem about her being so possessive. He says, we don't even talk anymore. I feel like I'm all to her is just a piece of meat. And then this is my favorite Kelly line in here. Yes. My area. Let me handle this. <laughs> Let me handle it. Yeah, because she, she, yeah, she interjected well there. So, yeah, Bud's feeling like a cheap sex toy, huh? I mean, how does Kelly handle it? And she just accepts it, which I don't know what that tells us about Kelly. But I appreciate all the trouble you went to, but I, I'm not sure I feel right about Gary and me. Huh? What are you talking about, Bud? Well, you and Gary are perfect for each other. <laughs> Dad, she's getting more and more possessive. I and mean, we don't even talk anymore. I feel like all I am to her is a piece of meat. My area, let me handle this. <laughs> okay, bud. So you're feeling like a cheap sex toy, huh? Yeah, it's demeaning. How do you handle it, Kel? I just accept it. I mean, come on, fish, they gotta swim. The birds gotta fly. Cookie monsters gotta eat whatever the hell eats, you know what I mean? And she says this right in front of her parents. Of course, she's 25, but still. Yeah. Yeah, so you don't say certain things about your parents, no matter how old you are. Oh, God, no. Fish, they got to swim. The birds, they got to fly. Yeah, and, and she, she's, she's quoting or half-quoting lyrics from a song called Can't Help, that Love and, Can't Help Loving That Man of Mine by Jerome Kern and Oscar Hammerstein from one of those musicals. Mm -hmm. Which musical? Which oh, yeah. I could have found... It's from Showboat. It's from Showboat. Okay. Yes. And then she throws in that other line, which is another good line for her. Cookie Monster's got to eat whatever the hell he eats. Yes. <laughs> like yes. Cookie Monster, Kelly, you don't know what he eats? Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I will That's say, however, I mean, anyone who watched Sesame Street when they were young would know that a cookie monster would basically eat anything to get his hands on. He would eat plates, he would eat house bricks, he would eat walls, he would eat um, anything he get, get, get his little blue mitts on, not just cookies. <laughs> cookie. Even eat a cookbook once. Cookie, 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 start for sleep. Oh, boy. Cookie, 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 start for C is for cookie, and cookie is for C. Yeah, love that song. <laughs> well, there's our promo. Um, yeah, so Bud doesn't know what Kelly's on about, and then asks his parents, or asks his father, how am I supposed to say, stay with somebody who doesn't respect me? And Peg says, if marriage was based on respect, your father and I would never have gotten together. And look here, Al responds, that's right, Pookie. Yeah, Pookie. A little pet name, yeah. Yeah, it's cute. Which, in, is it, which, which I find acceptable as opposed to Piglet and Rue. Oh, totally. Yeah, totally. But then we get, to, when I love this next joke here. Oh, uh, this exchange? Uh, yes. 
Excuse me. Who said anything about marriage? Well, bud, you love Gary. No, dad. I, uh, no, I don't, dad. Don't talk back to your father. The joke I like is, and the love and marriage go together like, Peg, <laughs> what do you think love and marriage uh, go together? Who said anything about marriage? Well, bud, you love Gary. No, I don't, dad. Don't talk back to your father. <laughs> and love and marriage go together like, uh, Peg, what do love and marriage go together? How the hell would I know? <laughs> if you two are so happily married, let's see a kiss. <laughs> well, sure, we could do that, but, but I think uh, years of love and commitment can best be represented by, by a hearty handshake. Oh. <laughs> I said a kiss. That means lips. Sure. I love, I like meta references when they're done well, and this is a great one. I, it is. Yeah. I love meta references. <laughs> yeah. It's like earlier in the season when, and Kelly has got to have it. You know, the cold opening, mm -hmm. Jefferson and Al are watching TV and they're watching cops. Yep. And then shortly after that, they go into the love and marriage theme. And Al says, I can't believe this show is still on. I can't stand, I like, or Jefferson says, I can't believe this show is still on. And Al says, oh, I love it, except for those annoying neighbors. <laughs> you know, I love that <laughs> meta reference. And, yes. Yeah. But, you know, this wasn't as common back in the 90s as it is now. They do it a little bit too much. No, no, now. no. No, you might get in-jokes, like a, a mm -hmm. reference to, you know, an actor's former career or something like that, a famous movie or something. But an actual yeah, major I, reference, I think I, this this um obvious it's, it's quite yeah i love it <laughs> and, and i i think i may have mentioned this before and, and bill you may really appreciate this too is that one of my all-time favorite meta references if not my favorite was in third rock from the sun when dick has to meet the big giant head at the airport yes i think i know what you're gonna say yeah yeah and william shatner says it was horrible i thought i saw a man on the wing of that plane and John Lithgow says, the same thing happened to me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Referring to their roles in Twilight Zone. Look at this loser. <laughs> Hello? Is this any way to greet your supreme leader? <laughs> Welcome, oh great and glorious leader whose presence in which we, your humble and insignificant subordinates, are barely worthy of basking. Right. So how was your trip, sir? Horrifying at first. I looked out the window and I saw something on the wing of the plane. <laughs> the same thing happened to me. Anyway, to calm me down, they gave me something called alcohol. No. Let's get on a flight to Jersey and get another round. Oh, no, no. John Lithgow was in the movie version of the um, episode that William Shatner did. Yeah. Uh, my favorite meta reference of all time. About 25 years apart or something. Nice. Yes. And yeah. I just love that Shatner played the big giant head in the first place. And then, yeah. <laughs> he's such a ham and he did it so well in that one. He did. I mean, he's not the greatest actor in the world, but he's playing the perfect part for him. And it, yeah. Mm -hmm. And him being Captain Kirk, just everything worked. Yeah. I think there's a Footloose reference in that episode, too. There is. Yeah. There is. Yeah, there is. There you go. There's also a reference when um, 
Jane Curtin is at a sci-fi convention and you see a couple of people dressed as Conehead. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she gets a kick out of it. Yeah, meta references are good yep. if you know how to write them well. Yes. There was a, there's another Third Rock episode. I, I mentioned this because I've watched the series at least twice through recently. Um, when Dick almost kills a chipmunk and he's yes. talking to the vet, he says, give my chipmunk the shot, which is a reference to Terms of Endearment. And that's a movie that John Lithgow was in. He's not in that scene, but that's a movie he was in because he's in everything. Yeah, my, he's my favorite actor. He can play any part. Uh, he's probably mine too. He's definitely up there. Yeah. He's just so good and everything. Yeah, he can play dramatic. He can play comedic. He can be the bad guy. He can be the good guy. And I've been kicking myself because I forgot he was going to be in the Tulsa area. I think a little bit more than a year ago when they were filming um killers of the flower moon nearby and he was in some scenes mm. he was going to be downtown and i thought okay i need to go down there and see if i can meet him and i forgot i can't believe i forgot about that oh my god and he was going to be in downtown tulsa so oh well oh oh well there might be a next time you never know Mm-hmm. but anyway yeah we love meta references here so yeah nice little reference to the theme song which <laughs> after nothing for 10 years, we get two in the final season. Mm-hmm. And, and Bud tests them. You know, I mean, Peg and Al are being cute at the moment because Peg's got, even got her arm tucked in Al's. And then Bud tests them, you know, if you two are so happily married, let's see you kiss. And of course, Al would just love that. <laughs> he doesn't want any of this handshake garbage. No. It's like, that's the best representation of years of years and years of love and commitment can be best represented by by a hearty handshake. But nah, I guess that means lips. But I can't do it. Just close your eyes. <laughs> oh, they got so close. Good. But they haven't kissed since season nine. Yes, I keep track. Well, kissed on camera. They yes. may have kissed off camera. Yes, quite true. I could tell you all the times they've kissed on camera, but I won't. But. Maybe for the maybe for the maybe for the podcast uh, series finale. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what's happened with sex points by this stage, but well, I think Alex lost the list, and so we weren't able to keep uh, up. Right. I, maybe, I think Luigi's trying to keep up, though. Yeah, I think but we he, just never discussed them. There is a page somewhere. Um, I think maybe in the wrap up show or in the series wrap up show, we can take our time and go back a bit. So yeah, even with Al's eyes closed, he he can't. To it and then he's sort of gassing for her and Bud's made his point. It's like, no, 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 Bud, Bud, don't ruin this for me. And then Gary comes in. I've been paging you for over an hour, Piglet. Uh oh. <laughs> she tu- he turned off the beeper. <gasps> How dare you? Bud, you're grounded. <laughs> Piglet, I've been paging you for over an hour. Why didn't you call me back? Well, I uh I turned off the beeper. <gasps> <laughs> How dare you! But you're grounded! <laughs> At 23, okay. Yeah. Yeah, like you'd listen to that. And Bud starts off with the, you know, I appreciate everything you've done for me and to me, but I think we should just be friends, which is, you know, right, right in the heart. Ugh. It's like, do not listen to him. And then Gary gets affronted. So you're dumping me. Without me, you have to spend the rest of your life in this hellhole. No offense. <laughs> None taken. Shall we have dinner? <laughs> you're dumping me? 
Without me, you will spend the rest of your life in this hellhole. No offense. Oh, none taken. Shall we have dinner? <laughs> I can get out of this hellhole on my own. I don't need to be anybody's boy toy. I'm gonna make it on brains and talent. Oh, Pig, we're never gonna get rid of him now! <laughs> Go ahead, scoff. At least I've got my dignity. Yeah, I want, let me talk about this real quick, because I was thinking, uh, Bud tells her, I can get out of here on my own. I don't need it to be anybody's boy toy. I'm going to make it on brains and talent. And, of course, Al says, oh, Peg, we're never going to get rid of him now. Now, here's the thing. Bud graduated college He had, from a, a good university. He has a degree. Now, we don't know what it's in. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's business ventures since he tries to be an agent for Kelly. But, you know, at that time, in the United States, the economy was really booming because the dot-com explosion was going on he would have had no problem finding a job with a college degree mm. so i really think he could yeah he, he is intelligent yes he's kind of a lech not great personality but you know he could be able to he could find a job he did have one he just got fired from the what the department of motor vehicles i think it was yeah he is the 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 brains of the family so to speak but um and yeah, he's just graduated, pretty much putting himself through college. If he, even if he didn't have that scholarship, um, and he's graduated, and we, yeah, like, like you say, we don't know what his degree is in, but he's always taking odd classes like quantum physics or, um, you know, <laughs> all those calendar girl babes. You know, I'll see you in astrophysics tomorrow morning. <laughs> and to add that, I remember in a in Requiem for a Chevrolet Part 1, you were talking about the college fund that Al mentions. Mm -hmm. Al did have a college fund for him. It had 10 cents in it. And then Bud put his grant in there, and then it had $25,000 in 10 cents. And Bud must have forgotten about that. He said there was a college fund in Requiem for a Chevrolet, and now you tell me I just graduated. Bud, it only had 10 cents in it. Yeah, and Alan Pegg spent all his money. Mm-hmm. Not another good parent moment either. <laughs> <laughs> but I think uh, Bud's uh, drive to score with babes sort of ranked higher on his list. But I think being Kelly's agent gives him some pretty good coin too. Uh, if, Peg, uh, if Kelly can still, um, if she keeps in work. Yes. And she does for these sort of last few years. But yeah, Bud would like to meet a nice girl. <laughs> and at least he's still got his dignity. <laughs> yeah, dignity. <laughs> but he rips off the sh off the jacket and he's just got wearing the 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 dicky. <laughs> and he's wearing Armani. We we didn't mention before that he was wearing, as Kelly put it, baby Armani. So very Italian luxury yeah. fashion house. I wonder if it was the same. No, wait a minute, that wouldn't have been the same one. I was thinking in um the England show part two when he and Al were going to uh, right said Fred and getting dressed up really nice and dapper. Mm -hmm. But those weren't Armani's. Those were something else. Yeah, they're on several rows, so I'm, I'm not sure what exactly. But yeah, he looked very um, very smart. And then he ripped off his um, coat. And he still looked good to me because all you can see is these buff arms. Not that I'm superficial. But only on the surface. Yeah. Ha! So you know what this means for Al? Uh, generic beer in the break room fridge. Well, Bundy, I guess you know what this means. Generic beer in the break room fridge? <laughs> guess again. 
worse. <laughs> Less attractive masseuses. Guess again. Less attractive masseuses. Oh, uh, no beer? Mm-hmm. Try no beer, no massages. In fact, no break room. No massages, no beer. In fact, no break room. And, <gasps> and, and I'm installing a pay toilet. Installing a pay toilet. <laughs> oh, don't worry, Al can put in the Ferguson. He's done it before. Yeah, true. Yeah, trust Al would. Al can easily key the pay toilet and get find ways to get around it. And one thing I forgot to mention earlier is where would this break river be installed in the shoe store? Just trying to think where it would be physically. Well, they sort of went towards the back, I suppose, near the toilet. Anyway, in that sort of area where Al's doing inventory and there's this clear out some of those pesky shoes, you know. It's probably where they drill the holes into the um, to watch the aerobics studio next door, which is later in the season going to be brought up again. But uh, Kelly has her little line there, and now she's upset because she's not going to get her unicorn. <laughs> I can't believe I'm not going to get my unicorn. Oh, and I can't believe I polished sporks for her. <laughs> I can't believe I almost kissed you. I'll also say pay toilets aren't really a thing in Australia. Well, there's public ones. No, not pay ones, yeah. There's not any here in the United States anymore either. They're not around. They're very much a dated dated reference. I mean, there are some places. I mean, I remember when I was in the UK a few years ago uh, over Christmas and we went to, I was in a fast food outlet and you had to buy something to use a toilet there. You don't don't have to here, but that's probably the closest I've come to using a pay toilet. So that could have been the worst thing to ever happen to Al, but as you say, (laughs) he's installed a Ferguson before. It'll be fine. Um. And the episode leaves us on a note that maybe the Bundys will be fine because in Gary in Bud's coat pocket was Gary's gold card. Yes. So instead of fried chicken, it's fried lobster. This means that Bud's not the favorite now, huh? Damn right. <laughs> so that means I'm the favorite now, right? Sure, why not? <laughs> Look, Gary's gold card. Hey, forget the fried chicken. Tonight it's fried lobster. <laughs> Shouldn't we wait for Bud? What's he need lobster for? He's got dignity! And you know what Bundys do with other people's credit cards? They use them. Of course. And did this ending remind anybody of uh, the Christmas episode in season two? In You Better Watch Out, where the family leaves with a, a recently acquired windfall and goes out to spend it? Yeah. I saw that in the notes last night, and I thought, yeah, that is kind of similar. In fact, uh, I was what there was a logo uh, channel. I don't know if you had that in in Australia, but they were showing the Married with Children marathon, and that was the last episode I saw before going to bed. You better watch out. Oh no, nice. no, we don't have that channel here, and actually, Married with Children's not on anywhere here at the moment, and that includes streaming because we don't have Hulu here, and it used to have we used it used to be on Amazon Prime, but they took it off. And I think it's only on Hulu, but Hulu is purely an American thing. We don't have, we don't get that here. Yeah. Yes. Well, I've still done my, I've still done my bit, Stephen, to make Australians aware of married to children. Well, you're torturing them, then they can't watch it unless they get the <laughs> DVDs. Well, I don't torture them per se, but uh, as I t- mentioned before to you and the other, uh, the other, our other podcast friends, uh, a lot of my friends will be like, "Of course," when I mention anything relating to that show. Hmm. 
Give me that look. Well, now you just have to add links to where they can buy the DVDs because it's the only place they can get them these days. Well, I bought two copies last year for friends' big birthdays, a 50th and a 30th. Uh, and there's actually a third friend in mind who I might buy the DVDs for. Said friend, she still uses DVDs. And uh, I remember I was helping out at a garage sale last month and uh, I showed her the brief clip from Yard Sale and she did seem to like it. Good. Mm. So the Bundy's leave. And, there's no, and unlike a lot of episodes this season, there's no epilogue. There's no post credit scene before the main end credits. Good. <laughs> doesn't need one. No, it doesn't. No, ma'am. We'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to Channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. So, Stephen... How many honeypots are you going to give this episode out of five? I've been thinking about this one, and I can't quite give it a five. I think it's good, but it's not great. But I do think it's one of the much better ones for this, uh, one of the really good ones from this season. I'm going to give it four and a half honeypots. I thought the writing was good. We didn't do the... We didn't do the, uh, or we did do the entire theme song in the intro, no epilogue. And for the first time, it, as far as I can remember for a long time, there is no B plot. It's a plot that involves all of the family together. Jefferson's barely in it. You know, maybe they could have figured out a way to use Marcy and Jefferson. I guess they did. I don't think that's necessarily a crime because they do get plenty of time in many other episodes, but I thought that was good. They wrote the characters well. They were true to the characters, and I thought the jokes overall were pretty solid. Like I said, not quite a five. I think some of the jokes probably could have been a little bit better. The plot, the idea, the execution, for the most part, was done really well. So again, 4.5. Very good. Very good, very good. So, Matt, how many honey pots are you going to rate this episode out of five? Okay, so uh, I'll give it a four. Uh, I mean, I love this episode. Definitely one of my favorites from season eleven. Uh, we're not quite got certainly wouldn't put it up with the gold wouldn't put it up with the gold tier ones from seasons three through six, for example. But this is still a very enjoyable episode, especially you know. Bud falling for Gary of all women. Come on. I mean, your father, father's boss, way old, way too old for you. Uh, just how um, <laughs> Al is so disgusted. Uh, Peggy's Peggy proved that she's a really bad parent. Uh, <laughs> Kelly wanting a horsey and a unicorn in the same episode. Uh, the fact that the fine dining with the Bundys is sporks and fried chicken. <laughs> yeah, plenty, plenty to enjoy here, but well written. Uh, 
not nice as as mentioned that there's no epilogue and it follows um well as i said uh, uh no b plot basically just i mean b plots are good don't get me wrong but it's nice to have especially in the later years of show when the writing was weaker just focusing on the one plot perhaps if they did, did that a bit more in season 11 season 11 would be better quality than, than what we got uh but that, that's just me so <laughs> four honey pots excellent now as for myself I again hovered between half a point here, so I think no. See what I I I agree with you. I think this is one of the stronger or strongest episodes of season eleven, especially when you consider the episodes, particularly that uh, we reviewed already. Um, there's some good episodes to come. There's also some really really not good episodes to come. Um, there's some interesting episodes to come but i think this episode on its own regardless of it being in season 11 or not is very solid and very strong and like you say Stephen, everyone the bundy family are together and for the most part they're well written um marcy is not in this episode but she's not missed jefferson has a brief scene it doesn't matter because like you say the episode didn't need them um and Marcy didn't even direct this episode. She's just not in it because I guess there wasn't room for her. And, you know, if there is a B-plot, it's about a break room and it's that's not even B-plot worthy. It's just an aside. So um, we haven't got overload of Griff or anything like that. It's just focusing on the family and it's focusing on Bud. And I've said this before, but the Bud episodes in later years do work very well. And it's nice to have Gary get involved. I mean, she's a really great recurring character. And it's nice to have, you know, a woman with authority, blah, blah, blah. You know, um, she's in charge. And it's nice to give her a little bit of a, um, have some fun, shall we say. Um, and, yeah, the focus on Bud is, is good. Kelly's written much better than she is in, say, a certain two-parter. We've already discussed earlier this season. And even Alan Pegg get their their moments together because I, I I love the two of them together uh, as I've said. So even if they don't kiss, we still get a meta reference to the show's theme song about love and marriage. I love marriage jokes anyway. So I think all things considered, I think I will go to the extra half a point and I will side with Stephen and also say four point five honeypots. Nice, awesome. No, I want to say something about season eleven because. Overall, I do think it's better than season 10. That's just my opinion. And here and here's why I'll talk more about it in the in the finale. But in season 11, you have some good solid episodes, Crimes Against Obesity, Kelly's Got a Habit that I got to review this one. That's why I want to review this one. I like this one. And those are really good and solid. But in season 11, it's either good or really bad. There's no in between. And season 10 was riddled with so many meh episodes, you know, that you think, eh. And so that's why I kind of like, and, and that, and the fact that Peg was uh, absent in season 10, or a lot of them. Yeah, that's that's true. I think if we weigh them up side by side, I, I would probably choose season 11 over 10. Because season 10, I could think of episodes I really liked, but there's not many that stand out as being really, really good because they're all sort of, well, sort of together on the meth level. 
or there's some really bad ones. And like you say, with season 11, there's some really good ones, and then there's some really bad ones. Um, and, and There's so no much. in between. No, no, not at all, really. So, And this episode, fortunately, is one of the good ones. And I think next week's episode is one of the good ones, too. That's one on the better side. And that's next, next week's episode, and that is Grime and Punishment. Since Bud is actually earning money, <laughs> as we discussed, Al starts charging rent for the basement. Al and Bud sign a lease, and Bud pays his rent, after which he claims that the apartment is in need of repair. A health inspector declares the basement condemned and gives him a month to get the basement repaired. Al is then forced to wear an electronic neck band that prevents him from leaving the basement. So, tune in next week when Luigi, Chris and special guest Alyssa will be reviewing Grime and Punishment. And thank you, Stephen, for joining us today in the upside-down jiggly room, which I have built much like a break room of ours. It's got a big screen TV. It's more than 31 inches, this TV. And there's a big fridge full of beer for you. You can take home. <laughs> it's well, VB, Luigi. <laughs> yes, VB. Hope you enjoyed the cold here in Australia, Stephen, and um, they, they can carry some of that back to you to boiling hot Oklahoma. Yeah, it's all over the United States right now. Anyway, but yeah, thanks for letting me join you. I really enjoy this episode and working with you guys. So, yeah, happy to have you. And we'll see you again. We're all meant to do Chicago Shoe Exchange. Luigi and Chris are doing it, and we're all joining in with them. Yeah. yeah. That's going to be a doozy. Yeah, that's going to be another enemies. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. But yeah, not to leave on a sour note. So yeah, uh, Stephen, thank you for joining us. Um, Matt and I will be back for some very interesting selection, a trilogy of episodes, shall you say, a little bit later in the season. But for now, bye-bye. Remember, same Bundy time, same Bundy channel. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.